Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. In just a few minutes, we'll be hearing about the first ever downtown Lexington Summit. What are the trends that drive success downtown and what are the ongoing challenges in the heart of the city? That's a little later, but first we focus on the housing market in central and southern Kentucky as we hit summer and it's a time when a lot of people are ready to make their move. What are buyers and sellers looking to do right now? The Lexington Bluegrass Association of Realtors, LBAR, as you may know it, is the largest group of professional realtors in the region. They've been looking over the numbers, keeping a very close eye on what people expect in the home these days. And joining us to talk about that this morning, Justin Landon, who is the CEO of LBAR, and longtime realtor Al Blevins, who is serving as president of the association once again this year. Gentlemen, welcome. We appreciate you very much for coming in today. It's good to be Thanks, here. Thanks, Bill. Thanks. Uh, let's talk about this. First of all, you know, as we're hitting summer this, this weekend, uh, some folks uh, try to get out there, get situated, and make that move, I'm sure, uh, while school is out and, and that kind of thing. Uh, what are you seeing out there right now? Yeah, I would say that this is, of course, uh, the hottest market time of the year. You know, everybody wants to get in before school starts. Once school starts, things start to slow down a little bit. And, of course, now that school's out, people are really actively looking. Uh, we're seeing a hot market out there. There's a tremendous amount of demand in the marketplace. Uh, good news is prices are uh, not growing as fast as they were growing last year. We're seeing about 4% year-over-year price increase across the entire market uh, and almost identical inside Fayette County when you isolate uh, a Fayette County out. Uh, May uh, numbers show that May has accelerated uh, a little bit over where we've been for the rest of the year. Uh, but we look like we're in for uh, as hot a summer market as we had last year, if not a little hotter. Oh, so when you describe a hot market, Al, you're talking about uh, the buyers are waiting for homes uh, to come buyer, on the market. Yes, right? and you know we've been experiencing a seller's market for a long time, and uh, prices are up, and, and there's a lot of multiple offers, so buyers are looking. As soon as the house comes on the market, it's not unusual to have multiple offers on the particular houses. Is there a particular uh, sector, you know, in, in terms of a price range that is, uh, that is the hottest, and then is there some area where things are, are a little slower? Uh, yeah, it seems like in most areas everything's moving pretty well. But you know, in the Lexington market, uh, I was just looking this morning under you know four fifty from two hundred to four fifty. There's close to five hundred uh, pending sales right now. So you know, the two fifty range, three fifty is hot here, and in, in uh, your rural areas, you're probably looking anywhere from one fifty to two fifty, three hundred. So it, uh, you know, it's it's still just like the weather. Uh, it, it's different in different areas and so the real estate market but the buyer the seller's market has been very typical for the last probably year and a half yeah and we say a seller's market's going to be uh, or a, a market in equilibrium will be about six months of inventory right and, and right now across our market we're over just over two months of inventory and then in the Lexington Fayette market we're mm -hmm. under two months of inventory and so that tells you that uh, there's a lot more buyers than there are sellers right now. Which essentially means everything could be sold in a couple of months. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. We base it on the yeah. previous month's sales and, and it could be depleted in two months or less. Are there particular areas that you're seeing a, a real demand for right now uh, within the region? Yeah, it's hard to sort of to pick out individual neighborhoods. I mean, of course, if you were to look inside Fayette, you could sort of target the, the neighborhoods that we all talk about all the time, you know, or, or there's a lot of demand in those areas. What we're seeing, though, is that anything, any neighborhood that's got a lot of, of inventory under $200,000 is just cooking because th there's less and less new inventory 
uh, in that $200,000 range. And so uh, older existing neighborhoods with lots of inventory under $200,000, I mean, we're seeing those homes sell in days, not months, not weeks. So how much of a challenge does Lexington in particular have in, in providing affordable housing? The, the, the entry-level market people can go in and buy. Uh, you know, I know it's a, a hot potato issue when you start talking about uh, opening up more areas for development, and uh, it's uh, controversial because uh, people are so proud of the, the uh, green space and the, the horse farms in this area, and it's an important part of uh, who people are uh, in this area. But at the same time, uh, there's nowhere to build in some cases, or so it appears. Well, and very true. And but also too, we see kind of a regional effect happening where people are going out to some of the rural areas and counties and building. One additional thing to that is just to having the skilled labor force and the contractors to be able to construct those homes. Lexington's a hot spot, Georgetown, Madison County, Jesmond County, but uh, we have been behind on skilled labor force for some time now and it's been coming on, but now the trade schools are picking up. You know, I had a, a customer in the other day, her one son was in pharmacy school, one was in HVAC school, and I immediately, you know, who's going to make the most money? He already is, so. Landon, uh, I know and you've dealt with these issues before in many different capacities, but is it a balancing act uh, right now is, uh, you know, for developers who, who would like to open up uh, maybe some new subdivisions, but uh, have a lot of difficulty in identifying places to do that? Yeah, there's no question here in the Lexington-Fayette market there's a, a lack of developable land uh, in, in, on the table for developers to look at. And that's just a fact of life. You know, this community has, has strongly supported maintaining the urban service boundary, and, and, and that's the decision the community has made. And so as we look at that, uh, I think we have to begin to have a conversation about how we deal with that regionally. Um, just because we have a lack of land uh, in Lexington Fayette to develop doesn't mean we have less people that want to live here. And so the reality is the demand to live here is higher than it's ever been. Uh, we, we need to begin having a conversation about how we grow regionally, and we've seen that already, right? The, the, the Georgetown market, the Madison market, uh, the Jessamine market, all of those are a growth uh, impact largely because of the demand in the Lexington Fayette region, and in, in the county in particular, being unmet. Uh, and we expect Clark County to probably see some growth in, in the future years as well. Now, how we move people from those counties into Lexington Fayette every day and back out is a conversation that our various um, county governments need to start having with one another so we can have a, a you know a regional solution and not a patchwork. Well and uh, obviously the, the taxes uh, w the property taxes are going to be paid in an area where the people are there part of the time and they're in another county part of the time so that's also uh, an issue if there's any kind of a regional pact uh, kind of a, a future there. Let's talk about some other issues I know you've just uh, been both to a conference uh, and, and you've been learning about some of the things that new home buyers are facing We've had a lot of rain in the spring, and even it's, you know, here we are, it's chasing us into summer now. Uh, what about flood insurance? Uh, is it increasingly important given the, you know, obvious volatility we have around the country with the weather right now? It is. It's very expensive, and uh, you know that's that's been a on-air table for many years now. And we're trying to get a long-term solution through uh, federal government and state government, and we we go and advocate and meet with their legislators to try to from NAR. You know, we're the tra largest trade organization and one of the largest in the country, and we're they're still working on it. I don't. There's a recent solution. I think uh, a long like a five-year term that's on the table to be voted on. Uh, or, or time for flood insurance, and we've been having to renew it or can't uh, advocate to renew it every year almost. Every uh, year that it comes up. 
Flood insurance has been an ongoing issue. Uh, of course, you can't close a loan on a piece of property that's in a floodplain. And there's several problems with that, number one of which is the maps are bad. And so it should have come as some surprise, I suppose, that FEMA's maps aren't up to date. Well, they're not. And mm. so in a lot of cases, properties that just have a sliver in the floodplain are, are being uh, forced by lenders to have flood insurance, and understandably so. But oftentimes those maps are bad. Uh, so we've been kicking the can down the road with short-term solutions on flood insurance. But uh, recently we had some, some good news. The House of Representatives passed a flood insurance bill that would be a five-year solution uh, with two major components that would be of huge benefit to homeowners. The first of which would say, we're going to try to restart the nascent private uh, flood insurance market, which today it's largely government-backed only. Uh, and two, uh, actually put some teeth into forcing FEMA to update their maps. Uh, and if we can get better maps, we can properly price flood insurance more effectively. Uh, the reality is if we don't have a flood insurance program at the national level, thousands of properties will not close every month. Uh, so it's vital. When people come to you, they've generally made the decision they want to buy or sell. But uh, what would you say to people out there who are just in that process of considering whether they, they want to buy or sell at this point? Is home ownership still uh, a good value? Or is it as Absolutely, good as yeah. It builds, and especially now at this type of market, the prices are increasing because of the supply and demand. There's less supply, so the prices go up. And of course, that, that helps their financial statement as well. When they go to a sale right now, they're experiencing some good profits, but uh, definitely uh, a, good, a good investment. Interest rates continue to be uh, stable or could go down. Sure, you know, like. they're 4% or less and it's expected to go down. You know, I always go back to when I was <laughs> in banking, the prime rate was 21% and the first mortgage loan I made to someone was 16.75, so 4% so or lower is great. All right. We're coming right back with uh, the folks here from Elbar, the Lexington Bluegrass Association of Realtors. Later, we'll talk about downtown Lexington and the future there. You're watching Kentucky Newsmakers from WKYT. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers on WKYT. We're glad you're with us today. And Justin Landon is here. He's CEO of Elbar and longtime realtor Al Blevins, who's serving as president of the Lexington Bluegrass Association of Realtors, is uh, with us as well today. You served a term before, didn't you? I did. I was president in 2013, so right in the seat. I know you did, and we, we appreciate that. So uh, long service and experience uh, in the region. And uh, Landon, let me ask you this about uh, what the trends are that we're seeing right now. I know there's the old standard. Uh, what three two on a on a basement <laughs> kind of right. is what people generally are looking for. How does it spread out from there? Yeah, I mean, as you said, the three two ranch on a basement is sort of a, a, a joke in the industry, at least in our market here. That that's that's the standard home that most people are looking for. Uh, the new trend now, especially with um, with all the, the Gen Xers in the market, is multi generational homes. You know, increasingly we're seeing people look for places where they can put mom or dad. Uh, in the home with them as the baby boomer generation continues to age and Gen X uh, is getting into a financial position where they can afford uh, a slightly larger home. So that's been a, a, a big trend uh, of late. We had the era of uh, McMansions we talked about, where those, particularly out in the subdivisions, they built the big square footage and all of that. Uh, is that uh, uh, still a, a trend that you see as well, or is there some uh, backtrack from that? Uh, there's a market for that, but uh, especially with the younger generations, they, they don't want all the upkeep, I don't think. And they, they, their parents, you know, we've had uh, uh, consultants tell us about, you know, 
they want time with their family, they want time with their friends, they want the front porches they can spend time with their neighborhood on and, and backyard. So um, still a demand, but not as much as it used to be. So what is going on with millennials? Are they uh, interested in home ownership or is, uh, is the fact that their uh, levels of ownership are low uh, a byproduct of other debt that they're so often carrying into adulthood? Yeah, we see that and we hear statistics about it. You know, I think very much still the, the American population and consumers are still believing them a great American dream of home ownership. Millennials, you know, coming out uh, and college students right now are coming out with an average debt anywhere from twenty-eight to twenty uh, thirty-eight thousand dollars in in uh, college loans, and then so if you amortize that and some other payments are somewhere between two and three hundred a month, and then they're making a car payment, and then they have other you know other expenses, rent, whatever it may be. So it, it, they have delayed their purchases, but we see now that the job market has picked up. They're getting some of the higher paying jobs that they went to school for, and that's coming together. But, so, but it has been delayed. They've delayed uh, marriage, they've delayed having kids, and it's been, you know, it's been for the last, what, eight years approximately. What is the condo market like uh, in this area? Interestingly, when you look at our statistics for this year, we've seen a really hot single family residential market uh, with prices increasing by 4% across. But actually in the condo townhouse mar home market, we've actually seen a decrease in the market this year. Now, we don't have enough condos and townhouses to really draw any big conclusions about that. It could just be some noise in the market, uh, but that is what the data shows, is that there isn't maybe quite as much interest in that product right this moment. Uh, but again, it's, it's hard to read without more of that inventory. Single biggest thing that people are looking for when they decide where they want to locate, uh, you know, which neighborhood, what area. Um, and I know realtors have to be very careful in, in how you direct people to, uh, to areas. But uh, no doubt there are some things that people have in the backs of their minds when they go to the realtor, right? Absolutely. And, and the amenities that are around that, they would, that they're attracted to for their family, if they have children, if, they, you know, if they're single, it's two different things. Things. Uh, but yeah, they're looking for uh, close to their job uh, if possible, but there's nothing for people to be commuting 30 and 60 miles a day to Lexington for work. But yeah, they, whatever their lifestyle is, uh, you know, they want a good neighborhood that's safe uh, and, and close to whatever amenities they're wanting to use. Yeah, I would say what people are doing more and more now is they're taking into the holistic life cycle costs of home ownership. Right? They're not just looking at what the lowest prices or the best value for the price they're paying, but they're looking at how much is it going to cost for me to drive to work every day? What is the cost of education for my children? What is, uh, what are the sort of the societal costs of living where I choose to live? And not just looking at the sales price and sort of doing the math and what their payments would be. And I think that's something we've seen in the real estate industry is uh, realtors doing a, a learning more about how to communicate with their clients about those life cycle costs of home ownership. People who are considering right now putting their home on the market, uh, preparing the home for sale, what would you uh, have them know? Particularly if they want to say, get something done here in the next couple of months. Well, you know, I mentor a lot of young people and I talk about what are the things we can control and what are the things we can't control. And one of the first things is this, the, the landscape, the yard, to, if they're going to market their home, that, that's the first impression. You know, the kitchen is kind of the hub or the central control of, of a lot of uh, homes. And so to have a, a first of all, a decluttered house, absolutely, but the kitchen, if they need to, you know, paint the cabinets or put in new ones or appliances to spruce it up, the bathroom would probably be number two. And then just, you know, painting carpet, worn out carpet, just the simple things that, you know, you, you want to make sure you're going to try to get the return and depends on what their debt is and what the uh, property values are at the time. But just the controlling the simple things of, of the home. Some things add more value than others, right, to a home. 
It's true, uh, and of the math uh, generally shows that, that kitchens and bathrooms are your best investment, uh, you know, unless there's some, you know, holes in the wall or something like that. But generally, you know, investing <laughs> in, up, in upgrading your countertops, upgrading your cabinets, those are where you're going to see the best bang for your buck. Our next segment, we're going to talk about uh, downtown uh, Lexington and the vitality there. How important it is it is it uh, for homeowners that they, the the heart of their city or wherever they uh, their community is that it uh, that it be vibrant? Absolutely, yeah. You know, and, and Lexington has is a great example of that with their um, Thursday Night Lives, I mm -hmm. believe is what they call it, and a lot of other communities that, you know, we have 26 counties that we're involved with in our jurisdiction, and a lot of them have Friday, you know, th uh, third Fridays or whatever, which they have a downtown events. But, yeah, I think that's the, that's the control center, like the kitchen is for the house, the downtown is important. People want to be proud of it and uh, very much an attraction. Well, we appreciate you coming in, and uh, let's uh, we'll visit again soon and see Hope how so. the numbers are holding up. We appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks Bill. Bill. Always glad to be here. And stay with us on Kentucky Newsmakers. In just a moment, we'll learn about uh, what happened at a summit about the future of downtown Lexington this week. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Kentucky Newsmakers here on WKYT. Great to have you with us. The first downtown Lexington Summit was held this last week to look at the vitality of downtown and the challenges for the heart of the city. Terry Sweeney is president and CEO of Downtown Lex, and Ethan Howard is the economic development project manager there. And they're both good enough to come in. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank this you. was the cover of uh, the the program for that day, and you had uh, you had quite a crowd to, to show up for the summit, huh? Yeah, over 200 uh, folks that were from the uh, economic development, real estate and developer community and, and some civic and community leaders as well. What kind of news did you have to share with them about downtown? Yeah, so we uh, put together a set of key economic indicators benchmarking the health of downtown. And our research uh, shows that downtown <coughs> is a vibrant, economically powerful and growing uh, urban core. And, uh, you know, it's a uh, a center of employment and a hub of uh, hospitality and tourism venues and then it has a, a concentration of uh, retail restaurants nightlife and uh, so very successful very vibrant and I'm amazed by the growing number of people who live downtown that number is incredible it is there's over 24,000 people live downtown something a lot of people don't realize and would really make it one of the larger cities in the state if you were just looking at that core area. And the demand is still there for more uh, units and for more people to are looking to live downtown. What attracts people to downtown? You know, I think they like the fact that it's a walkable community, it's close to amenities. Uh, there's a lot to offer if you just step outside of your door or wanting to go shop, go eat, go see a show. Uh, and really even the convenience to grocery stores, which is one of the, you know, the common themes that people like to talk about. You're five to ten minutes from a number of grocery stores and you can really uh, live your life in a pretty small, exciting area. What else should we know about the economic viability of, of downtown? So it's, there's a lot of projects, exciting projects that are going on right now. Uh, if you look in the last five years, we've had about 2.4 billion in development that's either completed, underway, or has been announced. And so that comes from the private sector, from institutions like UK, from um, infrastructure projects and exciting projects like the Town Branch Park. And let's talk about that. What do you think mm -hmm. that, that eventually uh, will mean mm -hmm. to downtown? Yeah, that'll be transformational because it'll uh, make us more walkable and pedestrian friendly and linking uh, all parts of downtown. If you think about the 
emerging distillery district mm -hmm. all the way through the core of downtown to the east side of it. And then hopefully what we'll see is new development spring up around that, um, that spine of the Town Branch uh, Commons Trail. And then you have the Town Branch Park well, that will also be a real attractor for people to come downtown and hopefully create uh, mm -hmm. new amenities but also bring uh, a new development. City Center is slowly rolling out, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, one of the restaurants, uh, obviously Jeff Ruby's is there now, we have the, the, the Starbucks and there's the Keeneland mm -hmm. store and more to come, obviously. <laughs> this took uh, years, I mean, it was a, a, a really a, quite a saga to get to, to this point. Now that it's here, uh, are you seeing that particular project, the, the, uh, the City Center, bring a lot of excitement? Yeah, I think what you'll begin to see is not only the excitement and momentum, but then the ripple effect uh, out from that of what new types of development and businesses will come surround that. And so hopefully we'll see a, a great deal of momentum uh, emerge from uh, its completion. So That's when one project comes, it, it sort of gets others uh, jolted. Oh, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, and mm -hmm. you said that type of large project is, is hard, so it's quite an accomplishment for them to really pull that off and you really start to see the exciting effects of it, yeah. of everybody wanting to raise their own standards of the buildings around them, uh, to get new ideas of what they can bring in, whether it's retail or restaurants, and uh, it really has a tremendous effect. And then from a customer base, you know, it's got a, I think 150,000 mm -hmm. uh, uh, new office space, so that's more workers in downtown, and those workers then will uh, patronize the surrounding businesses, and then Jeff Ruby's will attract customers as well, and they won't always be able to get into Jeff Ruby's, so then they'll start to go to other places in, in the downtown. So it'll mm -hmm. have a real uh, pivotal effect that way. And then when the hotels come online, it now stretches the kind of the convention corridor, right? And so uh, it'll have more of an effect with some of the surrounding businesses, with some of the conventioneers that will come to that spot. So mm -hmm. it's going to be very uh, an important part of the momentum for downtown. It's the first. Uh Class A office space added to our city's core in over 30 years. So wow. It's really exciting. And people yeah. would find that uh, surprising. Mm -hmm. But there's been a cycle downtown. There, there's, a, you know, and I've, I've seen the long view. There was mm -hmm. uh, retail here, uh, certainly, in the, in the 70s and uh, into the mm -hmm. 80s, then sort of a rebirth with the uh, Festival Marketplace that was built down at uh, Broadway in Maine and uh, some other projects uh, that, uh, that came along uh, over the years. Then there were some years that, you know, it was, it was sort of the courthouse and city offices, and mm -hmm. that was sort of uh, about what was going on down there. Now this amazing rebirth, is that what happens? Do cities, do downtowns go through cycles? Sure, they, uh, they go through peaks and valleys, and yeah. as you mentioned, cycles. It depends a lot on what's happening in the community. You know, uh, in the 70s and uh, late 60s, when the emergence of suburban malls came, it really changed the way downtowns were. And, and so you always have to work at it. In some ways, that's why our organization exists, is to make sure that we're working to improve the product of downtown, drive customers and support the businesses so that we always have a uh, vibrant, uh, successful urban core. Mm -hmm. Biggest challenges, and you hear this almost in every uh, town, certainly, uh, parking. Uh, is, is that still, uh, is that the one issue that, uh, that really needs tackling? Well, you know, I think it's uh, this way is, uh, if you don't have a parking problem, you're probably you're not in business, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's more of making sure we communicate where people can park, and uh, how they get there, and then uh, making sure there's some affordable uh, options uh, for parking. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what LexPark is doing, and even the private operators, they're constantly trying to find ways to make it easier, whether it's using an app on your phone, 
so that you don't have to run back and forth to grab tickets or uh, adding credit cards to meters and things like that so you're not fishing through your car for change. Uh, there's constantly people working to make this easier and uh, I think it, you know, it's always adjusting to a new digital age. And Do you think you'll see more changes. and more people parking uh, you know, out mm -hmm. of the, the, the core and then making their way in by, by public transit or in other ways? Uh, the city just approved mm -hmm. scooters. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's coming yeah. soon. Yeah. Well, what's nice is actually in the evening there's a, a fair amount of available parking. It's more, the occupancies are high during the weekdays and uh, that's during the office hours. So in the evening there's actually a, a fair amount of uh, parking available for customers. So it's easy. It's a matter of how close you want to park and how much you want to pay. What should we know about the future of downtown? What, what were the, 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 the questions that came to you uh, in terms of where we're going? Well, I think you're going to continue to see a strong development pipeline. Uh, more residences and then we our universities are growing and they have a real interest in trying to be better connected so I think you'll see connections with the universities uh, improve and then uh, you know becoming more pedestrian friendly and walkable with the uh, town branch trail and park and those things will uh, I think really carry the momentum for five or ten years. And those are really world-class amenities, and it serves not just the downtown residents and even the adjoining neighborhoods. It's really the entire regions and all of uh, Fayette County and the surrounding bluegrass. Yeah. That's sort of the place where everybody comes to celebrate, to have new experiences, see shows. Kind of the downtown of, a, of an entire region yeah. right, in some ways. As a matter of fact, our research showed that 80% of the seven-county metro area had been downtown in the last six months. And on average, when they came down, they spent over $69 per trip, spent about uh, 145 minutes. And so uh, they're, they're spending time and money. And, uh, and, and as we say, it's everyone's neighborhood. It's one place. Are special events important uh, to, to draw people down? Absolutely. Uh, there's over a million people, a million and a half, I believe, that come to ticketed events and gated attractions, as well as uh, constantly there's free events that anybody can come attend. Uh, the downtown partnership puts on concerts every Thursday night at Fifth Third Pavilion and we have thousands of people come down for that and so it's a big draw to downtown and a big gathering place for the community. The summit work, uh, worked out that you had, do you anticipate that you'll have uh, others? Yeah, we'll, we'll do a state of downtown each year. You know, it's important for us to benchmark where we're at and over time measure our success and see how we're, we're doing and so we'll do this every year. and. Uh, in addition, it's a good way to help uh, package downtown to recruit people to invest in downtown, locate a business, or do a, a new development. And again, uh, this is the uh, attractive uh, cover of the, the program that you had on that, Dan. It's downtownlex.com mm -hmm. if people yeah, want right. more information about uh, what you're up to. Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming. Thank we you. appreciate Thanks it very so much. much. All right. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. We'll see you bright and early this week on WKYT This Morning. Hope you make it a good week ahead.